ma, 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 ma. When I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. Everybody doing all right today? Whoa. Let me ask it again. Everybody doing all right in the house today? There we go. There we go. If you're joining us online, thanks so much for being here. If you're joining us from the Lou, thank you, Lou family, for being here. If you're joining us from Dallas, we're grateful that you're joining us to here today. And if you're joining us from Prosper, OMG, y'all are crushing it. Great job, all our campuses. And then if you're joining us from OCC Global, we are honored that you decided to join us today. Hey, fam in the house, can you help me welcome everybody that's watching us from all over? Come on, fam. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. If you're just joining us, you're joining us in a series. We uh, kind of take a thought and then kind of run it through three, four, or five weeks. This time, in this, in this season, we're doing the book of Colossians, and we're going to walk through it verse by verse, and I'm really excited because of all of the issues that come up in this book. So last week, y'all, we talked about the fact that Jesus Christ ought to be the center of everything that we do. And we used this image as, of, of a wheel, and we said Jesus is supposed to be in the center and then all of our lives, or our financial life, or family life, or relational life, or professional life, all of our lives, or, 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 or physical lives, all should be attached to him, and that we should be running everything through the filter of Jesus Christ through his word, and that's how we ought to be living, we thought, and shared that he is the center, he is preeminent, he is supreme, he is sovereign, and all of that is found in Colossians 1, and to learn a little bit more about that, just go back and watch our YouTube channel from last week. Today, however, we've got to go through a lot of content today, and I'm pretty excited about, about what he's going to teach us. If you've ever volunteered and, uh, and you're frustrated, if you've ever, if you've ever searched, uh, worked in a church and you get frustrated, if you've ever, if you've ever um, served in a ministry and you don't like somebody, if you, any of those, then, then this message is for you. Paul got a word for you. O-M-G. Gee, he got a word for you. So we're going to read the passage we're supposed to be studying. Everybody, we're supposed to be studying a, a particular pericope from uh, Colossians chapter 1. If you have your sermon notes, you're going to need it. Then you need to raise your hand if you don't have one, and we'll get one to you. Just raise your hand because you're going to need the back of this. If you're online, just go to the QR code, and you can pick up the handout, or you can download our app, and you can get all our wonderfully designed sermon notes from this incredible team. That That's all they do all week is work on the sermon notes just for you. Now, today, I'm not going through this whole thing. This is extra reading. All I'm going to focus on, all we have time for is this section right here where we talk through these five points that Paul wants to share with us today. The rest of it, you can read for your own uh, enjoyment and go back and study the Word of God, okay? So um, today, though, we're going to stand and we're going to read this passage of Scripture that we're all memorizing. Don't worry, I'm not testing you today. It's going to be all right. I just want you to stand. Wherever you are, you're at home, I want you to stand for the reading of the Word of God. If you're at our Lou campus, I want you to stand. Dallas, prosper. I want everybody to stand. We'll love you guys. So let's read the Word of the Lord together. This is what you're memorizing. Why? Because all the big questions in life are answered in Colossians chapter 1. Who am I? Answered. Why am I here? Answered. Uh, what's wrong with the world? Answered. Uh, how do you fix it? answered in this particular pericope in the Word of God. So let's read the Word together, everybody. Come on, I want you to read it through your mask, shout it out. Let's get excited about the Word of God. Here we go. Verse 14 says this, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. That is the specially honored first and only son over all creation. That's the God you serve. Next, next phrase. Uh, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, Next phrase, all things were created for him. Say that phrase three times. All things were created. Two more times. All things were created. Last time, you were created. Last time, you were created. Let's flip it around. I was created. 
You got it. Here we go. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. That's a good verse right there. That's a good verse right there. Don't forget that one. It is in him that all things hold together. It is in him. Not in you. Not in your wisdom. Not in your little intellect. It is in him that all things are hold together. Don't you forget that when your life seems like it's falling apart. Don't let me preach this verse. When it feels like it's falling apart, it is Jesus. Not you that's holding it together for you in the worst day of your life it is Jesus that's still holding this thing together because nothing happens to him by happenstance he is sovereign the creator God that holds everything together you don't forget that and teach that to every kid you know so that when the bottom falls out they don't run to somebody else they run straight to Jesus here we go um he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning. Last phrase. He is the firstborn from the dead. In everything, he is... Read that again. In everything, he is... All right. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He reconciles all things to himself, whether or he makes peace by the blood of his cross. Somebody put your hands together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I have two racks today because my daddy, watching from Jamaica, told me last week, son, you've been sweating a whole lot and it don't look good, son. It don't look good. I said, daddy, I don't care. I'm just trying to get the word out. He says, okay. But if you want them to listen and not think about your wet forehead, then you need to uh, bring a towel like them old Baptist preachers. So I said, daddy, all right, when your daddy speak, you better listen. Can I get a witness, somebody? He'd be flying to America talking about, what did I say, son? What did I say? Wipe your brow. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, let's see if we can get to this today. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in about 19, in the 1930s, 73% of Americans said that they either had a relationship with Jesus or that they belonged to a home body of believers, 73%. Today, that number is 43%. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's what that means. That means on your watch and on my watch, we're losing a whole nation. If that doesn't bother you, it should do something on, on your watch, on my watch. We're losing an entire nation because we keep quiet about the thinking and the thoughts of Jesus Christ. An entire nation is, is being lost. And most of us don't give a rip. No, you were created for him, by him and for him. But most of us do not care that we're losing this America. Listen, that used to, the majority, believe in Jesus Christ. That bothers me, and I hope it bothers you. You see, you see if you ever, um, if you ever, if you ever been to Disney, um, Walt is a, is a brilliant mind. Walt, a brilliant mind. Because he wanted to create the best experience ever. They're committed to excellence. They're committed to cleanliness. They're committed to make sure you have the best experience ever. If you go to Magic Kingdom, what you see, you, never, you seldom see trash anywhere. You drop it, boop, 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 gone. That's because 62,000 people decided that we're going to all work together to make sure you have the best experience ever. But what most people don't know is that underneath Disney is an intricate uh, number of tunnels that run all the way underneath. So the reason you don't see stuff moving and people moving big old things from one place to the other is because they do it all on the ground. 
So much so that they come up from underground, pick your trash up, go back down. They, when they're moving stuff, they're moving it on the ground. And to make sure they, they, they can serve you well and you don't see all the, all the movement everywhere. They are all working on the ground to make sure that you have the best experience at the Magic Kingdom. Can I tell you what Jesus Christ has called the church to do? He's called us to huddle every single Sunday morning and to go in these tunnels on the ground and work it out on a Saturday and on a Sunday. And then we're supposed to come out from these gatherings that we have online and in person and then go make a difference for the glory of God. But what we do instead is we enjoy our huddles on Sundays and then keep our mouth shut. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No wonder we're losing the spiritual battle. And Paul is going to tell us in a moment why he's willing to give his life for it. Why he's willing to sit in a jail and agonize over the fact that here goes a church gathered in Colossae that's only 65 years removed from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And they are losing the battle. And Paul says, not on my watch. And the Apostle Paul says, I don't care if I get locked up, if I get killed for the sake of the gospel, I'm giving it my all. Here's why. Because Paul says, I'm not going to be convinced that I'm only here for 70 years and live my life only for that 70. I know that after death, there is real life. And so because of that, I'm going to live my 70 years, not for the 70, but for the millions of years I get to spend with Jesus problem with most of us is we don't care. We are, we are, we couldn't care one rip that the rest of the world might be going to hell as long as you're going to heaven. And there's something wrong with the heart that could not care less about depopulating hell and populating heaven. So that's what I want to talk to you today about. This ain't about you today. This is about the gospel and what God's called us to do with it. So he's going to join us, Paul, in verse number 24 of chapter 1. So come, let's take a look at it and see what he has to say to a nation, to a church that's gathered. See when it was the disciples' turn? And God says, go make disciples. They said, let's go, God, and we're ready. And you're here because of them. Well, it's your turn now. Who's going to be in the kingdom? Because of you. Let's pick it up. Verse 24. Paul has five questions he's going to ask us. If you've been ministry for a little while and you're wondering, man, it frustrates me. Man, I get mad at people who serve in ministry. If that's you, if you get mad and you have church hurt and you left the church, I can't bother. I can't bother with you. Why don't you have company hurt? You need to have company hurt. But every, ain't nobody have no company hurt. Ain't nobody have school hurt. All you have is church hurt. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because everybody want to complain about church. Complain about your sorority when they hurt you too. Oh, sorry, I can't talk about sororities, my bad. That's the sacred cow. Don't, don't talk about them. Don't talk about your frat. Don't talk about those. No, 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 no. Don't talk about those. Only church. You get mad when it's church, but when, but when, when somebody else gets when your family gets out, you don't have family hurt. Church hurt. Anyways, come on. That's not the point today. Let's go. Let's go see what Paul has to say to us. He starts out. Oh, this is so good. Paul starts out and he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings. Okay, Paul. Okay. 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 Why would you say that early? Why would Paul say he rejoices in his suffering? You've got to know what happened to Paul. You remember Paul, right? Paul's the guy who, um, he used to kill and persecute Christians. And then God stopped him one day in his tracks and said, hey, 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 come here. I'm going to use you for my glory. Ain't that good news that you used to be a murderer and God still calls you to reach more people than ever before? Ain't God good? Ain't his grace merciful that he's, he uses murderers? for his glory. Anyways, anyways, anyways. But, but I want you to see what Ananias said to him in Acts chapter 9. This is before he goes on the call that God's called him. 
Come here, let me show you what you need to remind yourself and have the right expectation about. Here it is, uh, Acts chapter 9, run about verse 15. Here is what he says to him. He says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument. He's a chosen, say it with me, a chosen instrument. What are you then? You are a chosen instrument by God. God hand-selected you for the assignment he has given you. Hand-selected. God says, I could use them, I could use them, I could, no, 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 this one right here. In this era, in this era, for this assignment, I'm calling you. Your name on it. That's what he says. He continues. Of mine. Here we go. To bear the name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of... He doesn't even know it yet. But Paul is going to be elevated to talk to kings and to talk to the sons of Israel. God's going to elevate him because he has chosen him as his instrument. Watch the next verse. Next verse. For I will show him how much, read it with me, he must... That's not everybody. If you're online, read it too. I will show him how much he must. Last time. I will show him how much he must. Let me flip it. I will show you how much you must. For my name's sake. So here's what Paul knew up front. Paul said, hey, I know I'm going to suffer. I know I will. So since I know that I'm going to suffer, I'm not expecting an easy ride. See, the problem with most of us is we come to church and we do ministry and we think it's going to be easy. And, and Paul is saying to us, and Anastasia is saying to us through God, you're going to experience pain. Now, the problem with the whole, the whole process that Paul is going through is, it's not that he likes suffering, it's that he likes the result of the suffering. Let me say that again. It's not that we're, 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 we're some person that just, ooh, bring it on, bring it on, let me suffer, let me suffer. No, no, no. It is the result of the suffering that he lacks. Okay, you're not feeling me. Um, 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 the Bible, this Bible that you have right here, the one on your phone and the one here, there are people who died, got beheaded, got put in jail just so that you can have a Bible and throw it around like you don't care about it. But there are people who died, suffered, hurt, got beheaded, all because Jesus wanted to get this Bible into your hands. So we rejoice in their suffering so that the gospel can move forward, so that we can have the Bible as we know it today. So when you walk around, I can't be bothered, this is foolish, let me just throw it around. There are people who died for this. Just so that you, you, you do remember, right, that before the printing press and all that, you didn't have this. Everybody didn't have it, it wasn't popularized. Only some people, few people could have it. And today you throw it around like it's nothing. But the reason you rejoice is because somebody died so we can open it as freely and read it as freely every day of our lives. Let's give God thanks right now for the men and women who died so that you could have the Bible in your hand. But he continues. It's not that you enjoyed the sufferings of Jesus. It's that you enjoyed the result of it. Now you can have a close, intimate relationship with the Father because of the sufferings of Jesus. Paul is saying, it's not that you just want to enjoy suffering, but you know why you're suffering. Listen, 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 listen. You're, when people persecute you and when they make you suffer, they're not doing it for you. Don't take it personally. What they don't like is the gospel message that you're communicating. What they don't like is the message of Jesus that you're carrying. Do not get frustrated and take it personally. It's that they hate the Jesus inside of you. And that's why you're suffering. Not because... Of you, Paul is saying, "Hey, man, we gotta rejoice in this. We gotta, we we gotta, we gotta step up and realize that if you're gonna serve in ministry, if you're gonna volunteer, if you're gonna become a missionary, local or international, you will suffer. You're gonna suffer sometimes externally, and you're gonna suffer sometimes internally. You know this, I've taught you this already. There, there, there are three kinds of people in your life that you're going to meet that does ministry with you. There's some of them that are for you. There's some of them that are for what you're for. And there's some that are for what you're against. And don't mix up the three. There's some that are for you. There are very few of those. They're for you on your best day and on your worst day. 
They're for you when you when you go to the drug house, they're for you. When you're greedy and you're ripping the government off, they're for you. In the midst of that, they find out and they want to lock you up. They're with you in the courtroom and they're with you on your best and on your worst day. You can't have a lot of those people. If you got three or four of them in a lifetime, you better call the name of the Lord and praise his holy name. Because you don't have a lot of those. I'm just telling you. And don't put your hand up and say, yeah, I got five. I got five. That means you don't have none because you don't know what kind of person that is. The second one, though, is the one that's not for you. Don't get this twisted. They're not for you. They are for what you're for. The problem with that is when somebody else comes and they're for what they're for, they're going to leave you and go to them. And you're going to get your feelings hurt because you thought that they were for you, but they weren't for you. They were for what you were for. Don't you ever forget that. Because too many of us tell our dreams to people that are not for us. They're just for what we're for. And then they take our dreams and run and go do it somewhere else. But here's the good news. Since God called you to it, you don't have to worry. Because if he called you, then they can't do what he called you to do. Ah, and then there's some who are for what you're against. So they're, for, they're not for you. Don't get it wrong. They're not for you. So you're going to hurt. You're going to suffer because you're going to think they're a confidant and you're going to think they're for you. They're not. They're just for what you're against. And when the thing that you're against is done, Bye. see you later. And you're going to get your feelings hurt. And you're going to suffer. <laughs> and he goes, I can't stand church people. No, you were the fool because you didn't know who was for you and who was for what you're for and who was for what you're against. Ladies and gentlemen, make it clear in your mind. When you go to work tomorrow, not everybody there is for you. They're for what you're for. And once that four is show up or once somebody else come up with a better, with a better thing that they can shake, carrot they can shake in front of them, then they're gone. Don't get your feelings hurt. Just remember, rejoice in it. Because once God released them from you, then you're going to see how, 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 how the tailwind was holding you back. And all of a sudden, you can thrive more than you've ever thrived before. Woo! Anyways, that's just, that's just Paul saying, hey man, listen, listen, listen. Rejoice in your suffering. Count it all joy when you go through hard time. Watch this next verse. Here we go. He's still on the thought of suffering. Let's come back to it. Then he's, no, go back to verse 24. Here's what he says. Watch this verse. One of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. Don't miss it. Here we go. He says, next, um, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Not for your sake. Everybody can suffer, Everybody can suffer y'all, when you're suffering for you. All of y'all do it. You go to the gym. Oh, you're going to suffer. But you're suffering because you want a fine body. That's why everybody wants, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to push this hard. I'm going to run hard. I'm going to swim hard because I want people to look. So you're willing to suffer. It's, so it's not that you don't like suffering. It's not that you don't like pain. You just only want it for you. Oh, okay, let me help you out again. Um, it's not that we don't like to suffer because you can work hard when you're working for a bonus. But you don't want to work hard when you're working for God. You'll work 15, 16 hours and you'll crush it because you know uh, February coming or April coming or May coming or bonus month is coming. And when it's for bonus month, I'll kill myself for money. But when it comes with I'm going to serve for Jesus? Oh, y'all yo, lost y'all's mind. Suffer for Jesus? Oh, no. I will only suffer for me, not for Jesus. That's because you didn't get the warning up front, which is what I'm giving you now. If you serve Jesus, you are going to, say it with me, suffer. Part of the, part of the job description. So we didn't tell you, and that's pastor's fault. Because we said, oh, yeah, you're going to have the best time of your life. No, you're not. You're going to suffer. And that's part of the journey. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together for suffering. <laughs> Y'all crazy. Y'all be like, Lord, take it easy, Lord. Take it easy. Not too much, Lord. Not too much. Just a little. In your son's name. Amen. What's the next phrase? What's the next phrase? Next phrase says, next phrase says, next phrase says, um, and in my flesh, I do not 
And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body. Watch this text now. Which is the church in the filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. One of the most, one of the most misunderstood verses in the scriptures. Let me show you how you understand this verse. This word afflictions, most people think this refers to the cross. It has, it has very little to do with the cross. Let me tell you why. Because this, the Greek word for afflictions is never anywhere used, this one, in reference to the cross or Jesus' suffering on the cross or his death or anything related to it. So then what is the text suggesting? The text is suggesting then that what Paul is saying is that Jesus, when he was here and he lived three years doing ministry on the earth, he had to go through his own suffering from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees, from people who wanted to kill him early, from his own disciples. That's why Judas tried to take him out. By the way, let me help you out. Everybody got a Judas. If Jesus had one, you got one too. So why are you surprised that you got a Judas in your life? Judas's job is to keep you on your knees. So God allowed Jesus, Judas to stay in his presence so that he can maintain that connection to the Father. Whenever you have a Judas in your life, don't try to get rid of the Judas. Your job, or don't try to figure out who the Judas is. Your job is that Judas is there to keep you close to Jesus. Oh, that's a word for somebody today. Because you mad at everybody who tried to take you out. Jesus said, I put them there. So that you can stay humble. I'm talking to somebody in this section right here who, who are trying to get rid of some folk. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. The closer they are, the more you trust in me. So I want you to run to me and lean on me and hang out with me more. Because you know this person trying to get you. Don't run from them. Just realize who they are and spend more time with Jesus than you do them. Oh, that's a word for somebody in here. You better take that word. Quit trying to get rid of them. Everybody want to get rid of people so you can have an easy life. Listen, life, Jesus says, uh, Paul says, you're going to suffer in this life. Therefore, don't, don't run from it. Lean into Jesus. He's the center of the spokes. Anyways, let's go on. That's number one. Somebody going to get it on their way home. Anyways, that's number one. Let's go to the second. So the first question you have to ask is, how well do I suffer? How well do I suffer? Pick it up on the, on the handout for me, please. And the question we're asking, first of all, is how well do I, say with me, suffer? That's it. We're doing a heart check. Are you ready? Are you expecting to suffer as you serve God as a missionary, as you serve God as a volunteer? The second question you have to ask, you must come back to this sermon all the time. The second question you have to ask is, why do I serve? Oh, my God. Why am I serving? See, most people serve for themselves. They're really not serving. They serve because it feels good when they serve. They serve it because, ooh, this just feels... Okay, let me help you out. Every, every Christmas and Thanksgiving, here's what y'all do. That's when we get bombarded as a church. Hey, um, I want to do a food drive. Ain't nothing wrong. That's great. People are hungry and we need to feed the hungry. That's great. But everybody goes, yeah, I want to take my whole kids to go feed the hungry. They don't want to do it. No other time of the year. <laughs> Only that time. Well, my, my kids need a good example. No, if they need a good example, then you wouldn't work 80 hours a week and then want to go serve the poor and the hungry one hour a year. Is that your example? Is that it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, fam. let's go feed the hungry. Let's go feed the hungry. Let's go. No, that's all about you, and that's about show, and you don't even know it. You think you're doing some great. Oh, yeah, this one, you know, my, our family, every year we go down to the soup kitchen, and we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look at the totality of your year. And ask, is this really about me? Or is it really about the people I'm trying to meet their needs? See, so, so you have to ask the question, why are you serving? Now, I want you to watch Paul's answer. <laughs> what, you must never forget your motivation for serving. Because whenever you get mad, it's because you forgot your motivation. Let me show you Paul's motivation. Why, why, why is Paul serving? Watch what he says. Uh, of this church, I was made I was made a minister, a servant. Everybody say servant. I was made a servant. In other words, God, God, he didn't make himself a servant. God called him to be a servant. So he said, since God called me, 
That's why I'm serving. He continues, according to the stewardship or the commissioning. In other words, God said, I am commissioning you to this assignment. You are my instrument and your name is on this call for what I want you to do. So first, he's a servant. Number two, he's commissioned by God. So, but, but so when Paul gets frustrated, all he has to remember is, who, who sent me again? Oh, it's God. Okay, God, um, I'm getting frustrated down here, God, but you sent me. So can you please remind me of why you sent me so I can get this straight so these people don't take me off and I don't get mad at them and I don't want to walk away. Since you sent me, God, will you just refresh me again, remind me of the call so I can step back in here and fight off all of these demons and do what you've called me to do. Instead of blaming everybody else around you, can you remember your call, please? Can you remember your commissioning, please? That's why Jesus says, I didn't come to serve. To be served, I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Okay, stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. It's, you, you don't serve for your benefit. You serve for the benefit of others. That's why you have to evaluate ministers sometimes. To discern whether they're doing it for themselves or whether they're doing it for others. That's why you have to evaluate volunteers sometimes. Because a lot of people just come because of what's in it for them, not what's in it for the people. And listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. If you're, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. If you're too big, you just, yeah, 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 I don't do that. I don't do that. Or, or if you say something like this. But the worst thing you can say in this church is, yeah, I used to go to this church and uh, what I did over there. That's the worst thing you can say. Because what you're arguing is, because of my notoriety over here, you should automatically put me over here. But since I know what happens in DFW, and it's a, it's a musical church kind of experience, you will move from that church because they kicked you out to come over here. And we got to evaluate who, who you were over there before we just accept you over here. So if you have nonsense over there, we're going to send you back to go clean your nonsense up before you come over here because drama over there with you means drama over here with you you the common denominator so therefore we got to send you back to go clean your mess up and clean that all good before you come back over here and then we're going to start you down the bottom to see if you really learned a lesson preach pastor say it anyways um Let's get back to the word now, please. So, why do I serve? That's the question. Watch the rest of the passage, though. Come on. What's the rest of the passage? The passage says, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Next verse, verse 26. Watch this. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to the saints. Listen, don't forget this, please. There has always been a gap in your relationship, in people's, generally Old Testament, in their relationship with God. There's always been a gap. The first gap was the tent of meeting, then the tabernacle, but nobody could have access, direct access, to God. You had to go through the high priest to get to him. Paul says, um, David didn't have what you have. Uh, Noah didn't have what you have. Abe didn't have what you have. Esther didn't have what you Mordecai didn't have what Elisha didn't have what you have. None of them had what you have. He says, what I'm getting ready to reveal has been hidden for ages, and it's now being revealed. Hey, fellas, bring that out for me. Put it over here. Let's talk about it in a minute. Watch what the text says. The text says this. text says this. text says this. Next verse, please, 27. Watch what it says. It says, to whom God... Willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles. Here it is. You're going to say it three times with me. Which is, say it with me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Two more times. Christ, the hope of glory. Last time. Come on, Louisville. Come on, Dallas. Come on, Prosper. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, OCC Global. Everybody say it last time. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, the, the, my motivation for doing ministry is simple. The reason I do it is because God called me and he commissioned me. And because I have this message that I have to tell the entire world. What is that message? Christ in 
in you the hope of glory. Okay, okay, you're not feeling me. Um, um, let me wipe my brow for my daddy one more time. This is for my daddy right there. Um, 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 most Christians today think it's Christ and me. Not Christ in me. Let me say it again. Most Christians, when they're living their Christian lives, they, they, they really don't need Jesus until they're in trouble. So they do their part, and then when they're in trouble, they say, hey, can you come help me, God? Uh, okay, you're not feeling me. Um, 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 Bradford, come up here, man. Come up here. So it's, it's, like, it's like wrestling. You ever see tag team wrestling? That's what we do in the Christian life. In Christian life, you know, you come in and you be like, all right, all right, I got this, I got this, I got this in the Christian life. And so stay, yeah, stay, uh, stay right there, Brad, stay right there, Bradford. Um, and so you, you, you go in the ring and you fight, you're on your job, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting, and you're trying to get it done. And you're fighting uh, in your marriage, you're, you're fighting, you, you know, you don't do it my way, I'm going to do this, this. And, and uh, uh, in your, in your, in your, in your, in your profession, you fight every area of your life, you're fighting, fighting, fighting. And then when you get knocked down, and you're on the ground, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, Jesus, I need your help. So now you want to tag Jesus in the ring. So you be like, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, hey Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. And now you want Jesus to come in and clean up your mess. That's called Christ and me. That is not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is Christ in me. In other words, the hope of glory. What the, hold on, let me explain glory. Glory means, glory means the, the manifestation of the excellences of God. The, the manifestation of the goodness of God. So when you get in the ring and Jesus, not you, is fighting it, then they see Jesus through you. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, when you get in the ring and it is Christ in you. So now when I'm going to fight the battle, Christ not on the outside. Christ is in me. So now I have to display the excellences, the glory of God. And I have to get out of the way so Jesus can take my life over and fight this battle. That is why when it's Jesus fighting, he never fights the same spirit with the same spirit. That's why when you give G, when you give, when they give you anger, you don't fight it back with anger. Not when Jesus is in you. When, when you doing it, then you want to say, no, you didn't. Hey, listen, listen. And then you say, you say crazy like this. I ain't been saved that long. I ain't been going to church that long. I ain't been. That's because, that's because it's Christ and you. But when it's Christ in you, then you say, then you say, then you say, I, 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 I see what you're trying to do, but I'm going to allow the Jesus in me to take over and I'm going to fight you with the opposite spirit that you're giving me. So you give me hate and I'm going to give you love because it's not you fighting anymore. It's the Christ in you, Paul says, this is why I do all I do. Because people don't get it. But when they do, their lives are revolutionized. When you don't think you have to fight the battle anymore. That's why the song is so good when it says, this is how I fight my battles. I don't fight it standing up. Me, I fight it on my knees and say, not me, but you, O oh Lord. Galatians chapter, 20, chapter 2 says, I am crucified with him. Therefore, I no longer live. It is now Christ that's living in me. That's your assignment. We got too many Christians still trying to fight the battle, which is why the rest of the world call you a hypocrite. Because when you face the battles and you fight them yourself, you're doing exactly what they would do. So there's no difference between you and them. So when they look at your life and all the church you'll be going and all the YouTube channels you'll be listening to, they say, ain't no difference. I don't have to do that to act a fool like you just acted. Say it, pastor. Say it. When it get good, I got to preach to myself. Say it. Make it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There we go. Thanks, B. Come on, let's hit for Bradford, everybody. Great job, B. Thanks, man. 
Oh, by the way, y'all can take that now, okay? Y'all can take that. All right, so that's number two. I got to go, y'all. I'm almost there. Come on. That's number two. Number one is, how well do I suffer? Number two is, why do I serve? Number three, I love this one, is what do I see? What do I see? If you're going to serve faithfully, if you're going to do what Paul did, the third question you need to ask is, what do I see? That is, what's my vision for people? I want you to watch the heart of Paul on this one. I want you to watch the heart of the apostle. Uh, what, 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 what's my vision for people? Hear his heart. Verse 28, here's what it says. He says, we proclaim him according to every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that, watch this, we may present every man complete in Christ. Do you, did you catch that? He didn't say one or two men. Paul says, I'm fine for everybody. I want everybody to be mature. The word complete means mature. I want everybody to be fully mature in Jesus. He says, my vision is not just for, for, for Colossae. My vision is not just for Laodicea. My vision is not just for uh, uh, Dallas and Fort Worth. It's not just for Louisville. It's not just for Prosper. It's not just for that. Paul says, I want to see every human being I come in contact with, whether personally or through a letter or through prayer, I want to see every last one of them mature. Is that your vision for people? Is that your vision for people? You'd be like, God, can you get everybody to see the freedom I get to enjoy, please? Walking in the spirit with you. He's agonizing, he's praying, and he's pleading with the Father that every person he knows walks with God. Where are the Christians that are praying that prayer? Where are we at? Where are the Christians that care about the, about the 43% and the 57 that says, I don't care about church and I don't care about your Jesus? Where are the Christians that are agonizing in prayer for the rest of this country so that it won't happen on your watch when we, when we denigrate into a culture that doesn't want to see Jesus? Where are the Christians at? Where are they? Why aren't they rising up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to do this. For the glory of God. I know you rise up for your 401k. And I know you rise up to make sure your kids have the best education. And I know you rise up to make sure your health is good. And I know you rise up. My question is, what am that rising up for Jesus? Where those Christians are? And do we even care one rip? Do we even care one rip? That your neighbors are going to hell. And you don't even care. Do you even care that the greatest person ever lived died so that you he can be in the center of your life. That a gruesome death so that you can have a relationship with him. And you, don't, you care more about your 401k than you do heaven? Really? Really? What that means is you really only want God for you. It's really a self-centered religion. It's really all about you. Which means Jesus is not in the center of your life. No, he's not. He, he, he's on the periphery. Which really means, ladies and gentlemen, even though he's called you to be a wheel, that's not what you are. You have just decided that you're going to disconnect everything. You don't even care about the tire because all you want is to live your life the way you want it, not the way God desires it to be. What's your vision for people? For Paul, I want to see everybody in my community, every last one of them, I want to see them mature in Christ. Um, uh, most people don't know this, but there's a, there's a, this is the year of, um, of the Titanic, July 14th. 1911. There's a guy called John Harper, a British pastor that was on the Titanic, and he was heading to D.L. Moody's church. He had lost his wife, and so him and his six-year-old daughter was on the Titanic that incredible night. 
They're going on the Titanic, and when they hit the iceberg, he holds his six-year-old daughter in, in his hand, and they're taking uh, women and children first, and so, and so, and so, and the rich, and so they, he, he holds her in her hand, and he says, baby, you need, you, you need to go in, you need to go in one of these boats. He drops her off, and she now says, but dad, you got to come with us. To which dad says, no, 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 baby. I, I, there are many people on here that needs to be saved. Not, not from the water, but they need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so he, he went around and before the, before the boat, but the boat actually sunk, he was telling everybody, hey, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I do. Okay, great. Do you know Jesus Christ? No, you don't. Well, can I tell you about it? Yes, please. And so here's how you get saved. And that person would get saved. He go, yeah, I don't want to know anything about you. I go, yeah. And he would go and go. And until the, water, the boat went all the way under, and now he was, in the, he was in the water. And he swam from person to person. I said to them, hey, 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 hey. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And he went to one man and he said, do you know Jesus Christ? And he says, no, and I don't want to know, and I'm fine. He says, are you, are you, you don't want to know Jesus? No, I don't want to know, just leave me alone. To which John took off his jacket because he didn't have a life vest on. And John gave him his life vest and says, here you go. You can wear this, I'll be fine. Because I know where I'm going. Uh, hold on. So he goes around and he goes to more people and says, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And he says, yes, I do. Praise God. Do you know Jesus? No, I don't. And he shares his faith with them. The waves over time brought him back to the man he gave his life vest to. And on the second time, he says, sir, don't you want to know Jesus? To which the man responded, yes. I, I do want to know Jesus because I think I'm going to die today. I do want to know Jesus. And he led him to Christ that very night. Listen. Some days later, they ended up in Canada. And the man is giving a talk about this story. And he says, I was one of the six that John led to Christ. On the day he died, he died so that I may live and he says ever since that day I have got to tell the story of a man who cared about every person on that boat and whether they had a relationship with Jesus ladies and gentlemen you know what my question to us is where are the Johns in the world today that care John says I'm safe I know where I'm going. I'm not fearing death. I'm not fearing drowning. I'm not fearing. But this is as good as it gets for you. So I got to help you realize the significance of the decision you're about to make. Here's all I'm praying. God, will you please help this generation realize how many people around here don't know you and that they'll come to know you. Number four. Come on. Let's see if we can hurry up and get through this. What is my source? What is my source? Go to 129. Let's pick it up here. See if we can land this plane together. 129 says this. For this purpose also I labor, watch it now, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Ladies and gentlemen, people get burned out all the time. You know why you get burned out? Because you're doing uh, your work in your power. Whenever you do your work in your power, you get burnt out. Whenever you do his work in his power, you don't get burnt out. What happens to most Christians is they start working. So, and they start, 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 going, 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 going. And they start doing their work in their power. What Paul says is, no, 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 I can't do that because that burned me out. What I do is I do his work. I also labor striving according to, say with me, his power, which mightily works within me. You see, either, either you're going to do things that drain you or things that sustain you. If it's draining you, then you ought to delegate it and you ought to automate it, but you ought not to hang out with it a whole lot. But if it sustains you, it means it's things you love to do because you've been commissioned by God to do it. 
So whenever I find somebody that's burned out, it's because you're not doing what God commissioned you to do. When God's in the center of your life and you're doing the thing that he commissions you to do, then it becomes his power that drives you. You see, you, don't know, you, you can't get time back, but you can get energy. And your, your concept and your life should be built now around the things that give you energy, which is the things that sustains you and the things that you love to do. Or, right, let me say it another way, the things that he called you to do. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, my dad, my dad, my dad, this week we're talking, we're having a conversation. And he says, son, I say, yeah, what, 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 what's up, dad, what's up, what's up? He says, um, I think God's given me a new vision. I'd be like, um, this is in my mind. I don't say this stuff out loud. This is my mind. In my mind. I, I promise you I would never say this to my dad. This is just in my mind. He, he will get on a plane and he still will spank me if I act a fool. Okay? I'm just, I'm just a he military guy. Y'all, he, he don't play. Anyways, so in my mind I said, now Joker, you, you 80 years old. What do you mean you got a vision for something? You're too old for that. Just, just, just go to the beach, enjoy your life as you go. He said, no, 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 no. God's given me a new vision. COVID has really helped me. It's crystallized my vision. I've been like, I've been dying inside, y'all. I've been like, this joker talking about God's crystallized his vision during COVID and he gets focused more than ever before. I said, Dad, what, 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 what you finna do? What you finna do, Dad? He said, yeah, I've been dreaming. Dad, you 80 plus. What you dreaming about, Dad? He said, I've been dreaming. He says, he says, he says, he says, um, I think I need to start a podcast. I said, Dad, what's a podcast? He says, that's where I talk and they listen. <laughs> so, so he says, so this is a true story, y'all. This week, he, so he says, I think I'm going to do a podcast for Sunday school teachers so they know how to tell great stories to kids. He's always, his whole life, he's devoted to kids. So he says, I think I need to do it so that they can know how to tell captivating stories to kids so that these kids, their eyes will be wide open and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ crystal clear. He does it every Monday night to my kids. Every Monday night. He be talking about, well, all right, let me tell you a story. And he captivates these little knuckleheads and they are on the phone for 30, 40 minutes with him telling some story. And I'm like, this joke, 80 years old, still got dreams. Let me ask you something. What your kids know you dreaming about? What are your kids, what did they hear you dreaming about? Is it just the stock market and whether you can get a Coinbase uh, uh, investment and make money like Kevin Durant? Is that, is that all this is about? Or are you trying to dream? Are your kids overhearing you praying to God about the vision that you have for people in your neighborhood? Is that what it is? Or is it just all about you again? Is it really just all? Because if it is, then don't say he's in the center. Don't say, admit it, he ain't in no center of nobody's life. But if you're going to start dreaming about his kingdom, not yours, then now you've got to start saying, okay, God, let's see where we go. All I'm trying to suggest is the reason my dad never gets tired of that is because he's doing the thing God's called him to do, and he's doing it in his 80s. That gives me hope. Because sometimes I'd be like, hold on. Come on, yeah, give it up for my dad for that. He's he crushing it. <clears throat> No, the problem is then he says, hey, son, I need all the equipment for the podcast. So uh, just ship that down to Jamaica so we got it. I'm starting it in September. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He watching right now, too. Yes, sir. Number five. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Number five. Number five. Um, how well do you suffer? Why do I serve? What do I see? What is my source? Lastly, what do I say? How clear is my purpose for people. How clear is my purpose? This is 2, 1 through 7. How clear? Go to chapter 2, verse 1. How clear? Watch, watch, what's the language Paul uses? For what I want you to know, how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. Laodicea by the way, Laodicea was like a, um, it's like a twin city, like, like Dallas and Fort Worth. It has a twin city. So it was like Colossae and Laodicea. It's modern day Turkey. All of it is. And so it's like both of them is right there, right beside each other, right? So he's never seen these guys before. So Here's what he says. And for all those who have not, who have not personally seen my face. He is struggling for them. What is he struggling for? Because they, he wants them to know God. 
Watch Paul's system. He wants everybody to be mature, but he has a system for it. Watch the system. Next one, verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and uh, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the fullness of assurance, understanding, here it is, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. Paul has a system. His first system is, I want you to know God. If you're going to be mature in Christ, like I have a dream for, I want you to know God. Number two, and you only know him through his word. Number two, I want you to find freedom. Here's why. You're going to find this out next week. Because everybody has been trying to get the, the church gather that col- Colossae to take Jesus out of the center or to add something to Jesus. Next week, this is all we're talking about. You're going to uh, next week I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in so much trouble next week because I'm going to talk about two of the, of the, of the queens of this world in America that's trying to shift and add something to Jesus. And you're going to see it in their music and you're going to see it in their talk shows and on their channel. And I'm going to show you how what they're trying to do is say Jesus alone is not enough and there is a way to heaven apart from Jesus. And we're going to talk about it and we're going to have extra security next week because we are not afraid of nobody. Because if you're pre- preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you preach it fully, whether they like it or not, because we will not be afraid of anybody at all on this planet. Here's what we're afraid of, Jesus, because we have to give an account to him for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to show you how dangerous this is. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Hebrew Israelites too next week. And why they want to add something to Jesus. I didn't make this up. It's in the book of Colossians, so we got to talk about it. I ain't nobody targeting nobody. That's why I love the Bible. Because when you're going through it verse by verse, you just deal with what comes up next. <laughs> so that's what comes up next. Go read it yourself. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 to the end. All he's talking about is heresy and how people want to take Jesus out of the center and add something or someone to it. And be careful because money you do. That's why you want to add horoscope to it. Oh, you wait till next week. Don't come next week. If you don't want to be offended, don't come. Stay home. Watch it on YouTube. But we're going to expose it. Because it needs to be. Because nobody else is talking about it. But everybody else wants to dance and to listen to the songs that are anti-Jesus. And you don't even know it's anti-Jesus. Anyways, let's land this plane. That's next week. That's attractions to come next week. <clears throat> I don't even know where I was, so let's end this real quick. Um, hey, fellas, come on up here, fellas, come on. All the fellas, come on up here. Let's see if we can land this plane <clears throat> get out of here. So here's all I'm trying to suggest. I'm trying to suggest to you that God <clears throat> has called us all to be who he has called us to be. That's what I'm trying to suggest, and I'm suggesting all the way across. Come on. Thanks, fellas. All the men on the stage, every year, most of you know this if you've been on the church in a little while, every year I take time um, to disciple uh, anywhere from 15 to 30 men. This year it's 30 because of COVID, uh, 30 men that I try to pour my life into. Why? Because Jesus says, go make disciples. My assignment then is to take the gospel of Mark and to walk through the whole book I do the first six or seven chapters, and then they do the rest. Why? Because I want to show them how to do it. Then I want to evaluate them doing it before they go and do it themselves. I'm just doing what Jesus did. So these men, some of these men, all of these men, and some more, um, have, been, have been in the Gospel of Mark for about six months now. We've been walking through the Gospel of Mark. They are now getting ready to go disciple their men. Let me tell you why that's important. Because the only way you tackle that 43%, the fact that only 43% of people know, name the name of Jesus and are attached to a local church, which means 57% of them don't want to have nothing to do with it anymore. Only way you tackle that is if you raise up women and you raise up men who will go do it for somebody else. The only way you tackle it. By the way, that's the Great Commission. Go make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. So don't say, yeah, I'm fully devoted to God and you don't have people you disciple it. Everybody 
every week for the rest of your life. If you're investing in the millions of years and not just in your 70, then show me by your actions in your 70 that you care about the millions of years that you're going to spend with Jesus. The only way you can show me is when you are pouring your heart and life into the life of another man if you're a man and into the life of another woman if you're a woman. That's why our church is built. People think we care about this. What we care about is how many men and women are being disciples. That's why Jada does it. Every time there's a man Bible, woman's Bible, men's Bible study, Jada is at home discipling women. Every, every single time. That's why hundreds, I'm not hundreds, but a lot of men in our church are discipling other men. Why? Because the only way we take and we say not on our watch is if you're spending intentional time pouring into men. So first of all, will you help me honor these men for their obedience and their commitment to the whole process? Come on. Good job, fellas. So let me tell you what God's calling you to do, and then we're done. Louisville, let me tell you what it is. Dallas, prosper. See, when, when you don't put God at the center of your life, and when every area of your life is not attached to him, then you're not functioning the way he's called you to function. Then the tire is off, and you're not being who God's called in you to be. So that's why when he calls you now, to put you on the thing that you're supposed to be doing, which is carrying the gospel everywhere you go, you can't function well because you have made life about you and not about Jesus. So now, when you put this on and you try to take the gospel to your job, nobody cares about your gospel because they see your raggedy life. And you want to tell them about Jesus when your life looked like this? When it's designed to look like this? And you want to take the gospel to them and talk about the freedom you have in Jesus? This is how it looks. And they know it's supposed to look like this. That's why we're doing the book of Colossians. To make sure he is center to your life. And that every aspect of it is attached to Jesus. So that when you take your rightful role and you're in place, people can see the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly. Because you decided to make him the center of it all and not yourself. So the question is, are you willing and are you ready to get to work, to go after the 57% in this country so that Jesus' name can be exalted? Because here's what he says. If you exalt me, I'll do the drawing of men. All you got to do is lift me up so they can see me. Is there anybody in the house that's ready to lift him up so that he can draw men, women, boys, and girls unto himself? Heavenly Father, we've done our part. Will you now move on every single heart? Help every person at every campus, in every household, all across America and the world. Say, God, here I am. I'm ready to go. You've commissioned me. You have purposed me. You've called me to be a servant. And I've been on the sidelines for way too long. I want to get in the game. I want to make sure you're at the center. I want to make sure the tire is on so that when you put me attached to the gospel, I can be a shining star for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you, will you make that every person under the sound of my voice, God? Will you let us not rest? Let us wrestle until we said yes to you and yes to your way. Will you do that, God, for every person here? Help us to jump in and start being an everyday kind of ministry where we're using our gifts and abilities to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you make that be the case for every person watching online, every last one of us, so that we can tackle this 57%? Will you do that, please, God? It is our prayer. It is our daily prayer. It's what we agonize about. 
that Christians will rise up and become the light that you've called us all to be. Not perfect, just ever striving. Will you help us to do that, God? Help every person to say, I'm not sitting on the sidelines. And everyone, everyone, everyone. I'm not sitting on the sidelines anymore. I'm ready to get in the game. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say, come on, put your hands together for the greatness of our God and how great and incredible he is. All right, let's see if we can get out of here. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. In a moment, we're going to release you to our, the, online, the online audience to our app team. We're going to show you how to apply the Word of God. But until then, I want to remind you, if you don't know Jesus, there is nothing that would bring heaven more joy and every person that's a member of one community church more joy if you would decide to follow Jesus Christ today. I'm just telling you, there's nothing, there's no greater decision that you can make than to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're here and you have not been serving, then we'd love. If you go on online right now, there's a little code. You can click on it and you will go straight into or take your next step and you can start serving today. If you're in the audience at any one of our campuses, you can do the same thing and you can start serving today. Quit defending this. Quit defending this, please. And start embracing who God's calling you to be. So today's your day then let's start by saying, okay, I'm, I got it, God. You've done too much, and you've called me to this. Let me jump in. All right, and so uh, app time, uh, Jen and Isaiah, will you take it away now, and will you help our online audience understand how to apply the word they just heard? Take it away, you guys. <laughs>